Rusev Udria, Rusev Maćka. Hello and welcome to the 90 Minute Cynic Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Gallagher. Um, as always, the Kaiser in control. You're in control of nothing. That, that voice is the voice of um, Chris Bowd. Um, bringing him in nice and early. Hi there. He ruined, he ruined my, um, my intro um, because I was going to do a funny thing. So we're off to a bad start. But it's not even my fault this time. It's your fault. Yep. You're off to a bad start. Am I? You said you were in control. I then proved that you weren't in control. That's really, that's true. Let's carry on. Let's, go, let's power through this. <sighs> let's power, let's power forward. Let's slap off our makeup and power through this shit one more time. Um, sitting next to Bowd on my new feng shuied couch, um, looking confused and a little bit scared, I'll be honest with you. Um, it's uh, our boy. How are we doing? How are you? I'm great. Yourself? I'm not too bad. Good to hear. Um, Alex Lawrence is with us. Um, we tweeted out earlier on that Alex would be joining. Um, at the 10 Space. Indeed. At the 10 Space on Twitter. Um, and uh, doing some some amazing stuff on Twitter in terms of uh, tactical breakdowns and tactical analysis. Uh, so, yeah, so um, we're going to speak to Alex about just normal stuff, but we're also going to kind of look at... He'll give us a little bit of insight into Zenit and what we can expect... Uh, Boud, what do you expect from Zenit? Uh, a pumping. I, I, I'd fully agree with that. Um, optimistic. Listen, we're, we're, we're being... Cynics. Cynics. Cynical. You See, he gets it. This is why he's here. Gets it. Um, but no, we're, 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 not, we're not saying a pumping uh, from the point of view of being down. It's just kind of what happens. Am I right, Boudy? <laughs> to you? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sometimes, uh, if I'm lucky. Uh, so check check out um, check us out. <laughs> I don't know. I went went odd, but um, th- this past week we are uh, released the first of 2008 of our quarterly magazine called The Cynical, formerly called The Supplement, uh, a collection, a wild wild uh, wide collection of uh, interesting articles. Uh, and uh, Alex actually uh, gave one of the articles. Um, Created, wrote one of the articles. That's probably a good way of saying it. Yeah, yeah I'm not very good at postca- podcasting. I've realised. Um, Alex wrote one of the articles. Uh, I myself. Fantastic article. Although uh, it was an interview, so you know, Paul Carlin did most of the work for you. Got to ask the right questions, though. Exactly. Thank you. Well, I would say most of the the more interesting <laughs> answers were when he went on a tangent. Yeah. Kind of subverting the questions. Um, if I'm honest, yeah, consider- that's just how I read it. That's how you read it. So yeah. you read it very, you know, from a very negative. For me, myself and Chris Bowd have been friends since we've been thirteen. Um, but it always seems like he hates me. Seems off to a bad start. Uh, but no. So um, check out ninetyminutesynic.com. We've got lots of. Uh, basically, at this point, all of the articles are on the website, um, and but they will be put into PDF. Chris, you are frantically working behind the scenes to get it done for is it have yeah. we got a target time uh, this weekend's a target uh, we'll, we'll see 
Um, <laughs> we, we were on target and then I spent about seven hours working on a small indent for the corner of the page, so I don't know <laughs> um, don't know if we'll hit that, but uh, no, Keith's doing a fantastic job, he's powering through them, frankly, so good stuff, it's all, on, it's all on the G-Man. Yep, so you can check out the website um, at the moment, but at the same time, if you want to kind of for the collection of articles all in one handily... Yeah, it'll, be more a, it'll be more an EPUB probably than a PDF, because that will allow us to embed videos. Which will work like, fantastically for Alex's like article. Like the newspaper in Harry Potter. I've never seen that. Flicking the pages with news with the videos on the on the page. Before it's we started very... recording, we were talking about films, and uh, Alex literally went, "Oh, I don't know about films." Uh, and the first film you reference you bring up on the pod, uh, me and Bowd have got no idea and can contribute. I, feel, I apologize. I feel like we've let you down. <sighs> get it round, yes. Get it, get it right, because round, you went for such an obscure, unpopular yeah. uh-huh. yeah. uh, movie or series of movies. It yeah. didn't come out while I was in my childhood. Um, if you've got any Harry Potter related um, comments um, at the tent space, bring them on. Bring them on. Bring, a, bring them on. Um, Quidditch analysis coming out. Quidditch analysis. I take it that's the game they play. Yeah, yeah. yes, indeed. Yeah. Bring it on like Donkey Kong is what we say about because we're from the eighties. Yep. <laughs> okay, Jesus, that was a <laughs> quick response to that. Uh, but yeah, I mean, we had some terrific articles. One of the kind of main uh, standout articles was the article that Aaron Connolly wrote about um, you know football as a mental health saviour. Um, and it's a very personal piece, but it's a very important piece, and we're happy to be able to kind of, you know, give a platform for for Aaron to talk about um, all the kind of um, the things he's dealt with, uh, and play, the, the fact that football's helped him with uh, get through some interesting times, tough times, uh, dealing with depression and such. It's still a bit of a taboo, would you say, Alex? Yeah, probably. I think certainly that um, in the UK, certainly and. More so, even around the world, that football is still quite a quite a macho, a yeah. macho sport, and you don't want to be. Well, certainly, a lot of cultures you don't want to be seen to portray any sort of weakness of any sort. Yeah, um, which doesn't really, you know, doesn't really mix well with with stuff like um, mental, health, mental health issues. issues uh-huh. Yeah, um, and obviously stuff like homosexuality as well. Um, it certainly, doesn't tend to mix well with with the sport. Yeah, I know, and that's. I mean, hopefully we're kind of changing in the right kind of perspective yeah, from, certainly. from that. With uh, you know, it's funny because Paul Carlin kind of touches on um, being a kind of openly gay Celtic fan and um, his kind of dealings with with that and such. And football crowds are can be dickheads, um, but as we say, um, plenty of interesting stuff. I'm just going to kind of give you a couple of yeah. kind of James Forrest article from Matt Ryan, which is very timely. But about came up with that off the top of his head. Um, Obviously, left an impression with you. Yes. It's um, really interesting article, and uh, so it was just very timely that James Forrest scored a wee hat trick just as we released it. So yeah, um, so Matt Ryan at the back pass wrote about James Forrest. Uh, uh, Christian interviewed Stevie Greve um, about tactics and just lots of different you know punditry and coaching education and stuff. Um, very interesting. Uh, Rory Price wrote about St Pauli's progressive ideals and relationships with Celtic fans um, and how that's kind of evolved and changed. Um, there's so much. Dougie Wright has a great article. Um, article about co-teams, as in the kind of uh, development squads of Celtic and Rangers and the benefits of them playing in the, the league structure. And uh, He's doing a fingers thing. Christian interviews a couple of Norwegian lads. <laughs> Couple, couple of, of the boys. Couple of the boys. Uh, What's your thoughts on the cult teams being brought in? Um, it's a difficult one. It's a difficult one. But um, obviously, on one hand, you have you have the teams at the lower end of the pyramid, um, who 
feel that maybe this the introduction of cult teams might compromise their their existence almost. Yeah. Um, but also on the flip side, you then have the developmental argument. So it's almost a an argument of what's going to be what's going to do the most benefit. What's going to have the most benefit to to the game? Yeah, and I think well, I suppose it'd apply to most leagues where where you had big teams with cult teams playing the lower leagues, but. It's going to give extra exposure, you'd think, to yeah. the, the lower leagues. Certainly. You'd imagine the crowds are going to be bigger, so there's more money, and these are clubs where, you know, eh, every every penny they can get is going to... You, you saw the exposure that um, the likes of Queen's Park had when Rangers were in the were in League 2, and the guys like Andy Robertson and um, Aidan Cornley, Lawrence Shankland... Um, I think Blair Spittle might have been there at the same at the time as well. These guys getting a huge amount of exposure. Stephen uh, Paul McGinn, Stephen McGinn, right Steve back. McGinn, Stephen yeah. McGinn, yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, Stephen McGinn as well. All these guys getting a good amount of exposure, um, obviously through through that period, and obviously they've all gone on to um, to bigger, bigger and, and better bigger things. and better things. Uh-huh. Yeah. So I think that's an important part of the argument too. What, what do you think of Blair Spittle? I think it's fine. He's, he's, a, he's, no, no, he's, he's fine. No, it's, it's, I've I have can't say I've seen a whole lot of him. I've seen a few part of games, and he never really doesn't doesn't seem to be out, doesn't seem to look out of place. In fact, he seems to be one of the quite a, players, uh, one of the better players yeah. there. Um, maybe just unfortunate in the games I've seen him have been against Celtic, where he's been playing on the right hand side against Kieran Tierney, who's just ripped him for pace in almost he, all those occasions. Yeah, um, so, amazing. Yeah, that's to be considered as well. Yeah, um, but set piece delivery and his delivery in general, s- solid. Was, good, good technique. Yeah, uh-huh, certainly, certainly. I wonder where he learnt learnt that from. Certainly, uh, exactly. Again, and he's playing his trade in the lower leagues. Um, but yeah, certainly, a, a, you can certainly see he's a, a Premiership footballer. Yeah, sure. yeah, a, a, absolutely. A, certainly that level because he plays in the Premiership um, <laughs> nah I'm sorry no, no, I, I, every time I've seen him he's kind of impressed me but yeah, yeah it'll be interesting to see how it, what his kind of next step is because going from Dundee United to, yeah. to Thistle it'd be good to see him yeah. get to a kind of bigger club sorry about I just as a boy through the cross foot I can't um, I can't I can't back somebody through the spittle or represent the spittle through his name so <laughs> <sighs> thank you thank well, you Absolute bell end of a guy. Uh, but there's other great articles. Um, Graham McKay, uh, Daniel McGowan, uh, Owen Coyle. Uh, Christian's Ra- piece on Ryan Clark. On expected goals model for goalkeepers as well. I missed that one. Oh, that's, a, that's a goodie. Nah, I'm, I'm, as I say, it's it's chock full of yep. genuinely interesting stuff. And uh, thanks to everyone who took part um, in writing it. And uh, yeah, um, check it out next week. Check our pod, um, check our podcast, check our Twitter for links and details towards the PDF and how you can go about downloading it. And it's it really is a terrific piece of business. Uh, what else we had was we had yourself, um, Alex, doing a, an article about Ayer. Can you kind of talk us just through the article in general and your overall kind of thoughts on them? So the article really looks at the the thing that makes Christopher Iyer stand out to almost anyone that will watch him play, and that's him dribbling out with the ball from defence, dribbling into midfield. Um, some of the more dramatic cases, I think the, the video that I, that I attached to the tweet. attached to the tweet was of him dribbling all the way from centre back up to the penalty box against Partick. So, yeah. in that article, I looked at 
um, how these dribbles are allowed to happen, basically what happens ahead of him to let the dribbles happen, how he actually performs the dribbles, um, what you know, how does he use his speed, his body, what direction does he go in, all this type of really nerdy stuff, uh, and what he does after them, what he does after dribbles. So how does he pass? What are the you know, how are the team how's the team set up ahead of him to let him play the play the next pass, uh, as well as looking at the potential future. So where can he go from here, and how can how can his teammates? Um, help him get the most out of this exciting part of his game because I think certainly it's not something that you see a whole lot of around the world football in general Yeah, there aren't a huge amount of centre-halves that do that week in week out um, the one that I reference in the article is Ajax's Frankie de Jong who does a very similar type of thing but he's he does it in a completely different way he comes about it a different way rather um, and performs a wee bit differently isn't as power oriented as Ayer is, Ayer is just a big, massive guy, he just hurtles down the down the pitch um, yeah. whereas Frankie's a wee bit more delicate um, but certainly just looking at this particular aspect of Ayer's game quite in depth uh, and what we can look in, sort of using that to see what we can learn from from uh, from Celtic's in general team play ahead of him. Yeah, um, obviously, well, Bowd, what's your kind of? I mean, we've we've talked at length at times, but specifically, Ayer is he someone that you think we can really build a team around? When I, I say just, build a team around, you know I mean? yeah, he's not Kieran Tierney. Let's not get ahead of ourselves. Let's not but, get ahead of ourselves. Um, or Scott Brown, who's got many, many. Oh, here we fucking go. But uh, no, Ayer. I'm a big, big fan of Ayer. Um, and what I think a lot of people forget, um, even though I probably mention it every time I'm on the podcast, uh, is that he's 19. He's so still 20 until April, I think. Yeah. Um, so he's a young, young boy, and we're talking. <sighs> Again, I've seen a lot of fans who are maybe saying, oh, Hendry could be a good purchase, he's the future, he's young, he's Scottish. He's 22, turning 23 um, this year. Um, so really, if you look at the two of them, and I think it's fair to say Ayer's probably ahead of his development compared to Hendry, or at least looks more of a player right now. Um, at his age, I think there's, he's only going to get better and better. Um, and You've made a very interesting point in the article where you talk about the fact that Yozo and Boyata, they will make the odds kind of excursion excursion, um, in the midfield, but it's where (coughs) there's maybe a more obvious space that just opens up in front of them, whereas Uh Ayer will find those spaces and will drive. He doesn't need the the obvious run. I mean, you you can go back (coughs) and make this point as well, because I just knew as soon as I sort of thought of this as a as an idea for an article, I just knew that someone would pop up and say, Oh aye, but Amaruso was doing this in two thousand and two. It's like aye, but he did, he did. And you can go on and you can find clips on YouTube very easily of uh Amaruso of um even Effie Ambrose of um who's the other one? Majid Baguera was was one that I saw oh, no. quite a few clips of. I think it was one goal against Stuttgart where he just goes in an absolute maze. Um but again, with these guys, as about says, those opportunities came about almost. So almost you almost have to take the yards as a centre half in those situations. The spaces in front of you, it's kind of I think I used um, apologetically or sheepishly 
sort of taking the yards in front of you like oh, what else am I going to do it's, you know, it's there in front of me whereas with Ayer it's a very sort of methodical yeah I need to get through here I'm going to exactly yeah that and that I think you know you, you know like Majid Bagheera and out of all them he was the worst but Amaruso had such a big frame at times yeah. that he had that little bit of pace over maybe five yards that he could get away from people it's quite interesting um just it, what I found we, we discussed this kind of you know, privately in our kind of WhatsApp group about the negativity. Um, there's a small weird turn of negativity towards Ayer. Um, and maybe maybe it's just because people don't rate him, um, which is fair enough, because he is a young boy. Um, he's made the odd mistake, which is going to happen, which is fine. Um, and as soon as a player kind of gets that sort of... Um, treatment where they're seen as you know a shining light or because i remember people try to sh- shoot down kieran tierney um, yeah. and he found a kid first yeah. it's a very scottish thing to do it's very um you know uh, you know uh, this guy should get his opportunity as soon as he go- does get his opportunity who the hell does he think he is so i think um so w- the tweets when you tweeted out your article um link just some responses um this chap tweeted he's shit at defending can't play three games in a week. Can't play on artificial turf. Should have took. Oh no, he's talking about. But he's talking about Jozo. <laughs> <laughs> but he's responded directly to uh, that article. But no, actually, I agree. I completely agree. Uh, yeah. <laughs> this guy's oh no, and, and he, he says sorry. I meant to put his name. Uh, fair enough, man. Uh, yeah. The, one thing, so this is the one that keeps coming back. That I've seen people keep saying he never wins balls in the air. Yeah, but you—that's been debunked, right? Oh, there's a whose piece was it? There was the a, Scotsman. Yeah, it was in the Scotsman. Um, He's number one for all Scottish Premiership players in aerial prowess, winning a whopping eighty percent of his duels. Whopping, whopping. That's, that is whopping. That is pretty. That's. I think, a, that's I think a, the point I made is that eighty percent. Last time I checked, eighty percent is quite a long way from. From zero, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's massive. It's, yeah, it's whopping. Even yeah, it's whopping. Yeah. Uh, do you think the fact that he was a centre half, um, a central midfielder, think that's helped his game? Certainly, certainly. Um, obviously, if you play at centre mid, then the game's all around you. You have to deal with stuff coming from behind you, pressure coming from behind you. You need to deal with making decisions to play it forward or backwards. If you're in centre mid, there's a much larger impetus in you playing forwards because if you don't play forward from centre mid, then you know, what else is going to happen? How else are we going to get up the pitch? Yeah. Um, so certainly, I think, maybe as well, in terms of carrying the ball, it's maybe more acceptable for centre mids to dribble the ball. So if, for example, if he's playing in a league where, and I had to, I'll be honest, I don't know what the type of play is uh, predominantly in Norway, but if it's anything like Scotland, then if you win the ball on the counter-attack in your own box, you're going to have a lot of space in front of you to yeah. just carry it. And if you're someone quick, who can carry the ball, then you're going to be asked to do that often. So that can only have helped. And in fact, also he's playing first-team football there from, what, 16? Well, that's what I was just going to say. You know, Bowd makes a point about Hendry, um, and it's a fair point um, that Hendry maybe doesn't have the experience that Ayer has, and there's, what, almost three years of a difference yeah. between them, and that's because Ayer was playing for, I think it was his start was his first team before start, he, uh-huh. yeah, he played over 100 games to them. Um and you know, is the Norwegian league that much better or worse than the Scottish league? Probably not. They're probably probably about the same quality level. In fact, now we're better by by some distance, actually. So, aye. So that doesn't count for f- shit, to be honest. No, it's like uh, fives. The old uh, Norwegian <laughs> football league. 
Uh, but anyway, um, regarding your article, 90minutesinic.com, I thought it was very, very interesting um, and it, show, it shines a little bit of light on sort of different specifics and, and what different centre-halves will do in certain situations. And that, that interesting, that the idea about um, if Ambrose just seen a bit of space and going, oh, fucking why not? Am I right? Hey, well, fucking, there we go. <laughs> and just jumping in. Um, that's, that's pretty cool. Quick, quick point on on Hendry. What you what do you make of, of of Hendry as a signer for Celtic? Positive, negative? What do you see it? I say well, certainly positive. A young Scottish player um, signing for Celtic is probably it's difficult to to say that's a bad signing. Especially you know he seems he's a handy player, isn't he? Yeah. Um, big big lad. He can cover a lot of ground. Uh, he can be aggressive in the tackle. Obviously, I think he's got a lot to learn when it comes to how he uses the ball I think when he uses the ball he's fine he's like his distribution is good and obviously he shows that he can that he can dribble as well I think it's something that Brendan Rodgers does um, want to see a lot of I think I've mentioned on the pod before about the improvement we've seen in Bayata in that sense and how he uses the ball and I think there's been even games where Bayata's done a bit of dribbling in where he's maybe taken the ball on the left side and dribbled into midfield. And if you said a year or two years ago that, by the way, Derek Bayat is going to be dribbling the ball in midfield and spraying a pass into the centre forward, you're thinking, oh, I, I pulled the yeah. other one. Um, but I think that certainly, in terms of a, a Scotland point of view, it can only be positive to have a young centre defensive Scottish prospect playing under a manager who has a good track record in developing players in these positions. Yeah, I, I completely I completely agree. I know I, I've mentioned it a few times. Um, if Compare's not dead, because um, reports are he's dead. Yeah, I've seen. The- um, if Compare isn't dead, uh, the idea of playing a back three um, with Compare sitting and Ayer and Hendry, um it's quite interesting. Quite interesting. Yeah. I just think it would give that that experience and would allow them to kind of uh, work as a unit and maybe towards the Champions League qualifiers touch wood that we get there and we win the league um, because we're going to have to play four next season but obviously we'll speak about that any other time um, Bowd yes. Celtic played a game of football on the weekend really? oddly uh, Celtic took on Partick Thistle so we'll, like, we're going to talk about the Zenit game with um, a unit as I've decided to call him well for no specific reason we'll see uh, oh he's not happy with that Bowd a dog, I think I had that one already. I think I had that one. Oh, he's disappointed. I forgot. That was that was better than A unit. That's for sure. Okay, sorry, A dog. Uh, well, we'll get to the Zenit game um, because yeah, that tactics that are was, uh, was the alright. The tactics are for fuck's sake. TZ, can I call you TZ? Well, why would it be TZ? Jesus Christ, TC. Or could be CZ. Yeah, depends on. I'll spell all the Scottish way. Was it? <laughs> of course, <laughs> incorrectly. That's just Scottish spelling it incorrectly. Uh, I'm going to call you Terminator Two Judgment Day. If that's brilliant, that's fine by me. Uh, so uh, before we get to the the no, do you know what? Fuck it. We're going to ask a question about Scottish Cup. What's your memory? But fuck that. <laughs> Have you got one? Yes, I do. Okay, what's your favourite Scottish Cup uh, football memory? Ah, oh, Jesus. I'll have to rack my brain for that oh, one. For uh, no, my the, the memory when you sent the question out, the first thing that popped to my mind um, was the '95 Scottish Cup. '96. '96. '95. '96. I think it was '95. It's '96. No, 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 no. It was '95. Sorry, I always get that. I always get that wrong. 
Uh, sorry, I yeah. I mean, I'm, my memory's nonsense, so I might be wrong. But uh, just as in, again, not to be the old Celtic da, but it, it was years, five, six years since we'd won a cup at all. Forget the league, Celtic just hadn't won a trophy. Um, the League Cup final with Rafe Rovers Ugh. was 94, wasn't Ugh, it? So, it was in November. Yeah, um, and you kind of, at that time, felt we were going to end the drought and then you lose to Rafe Rovers, and then eventually Paul McStay, the greatest player of all time, um, eventually wins a trophy with Celtic as captain. Uh, I think the game was shite as far as I remember. It was 1-0 against Erdry. Yeah. Van Hoydonk scores with uh, the header. It was 10 minutes in or something as well, so it was just 80 minutes of Keep kind ball. of shitting yourself a wee bit. <laughs> yeah. uh, do, you remember that, do you remember that final, Alex? Uh, I don't have many, any memories of anything pre ninety. Six. Jesus. I don't think I was alive at that point. <laughs> were you not? Well, I was, I'm born in 96, so... Oh. I was you, born in, uh, this well, is before summer, you were born. Uh, summer of 96, I, In my head, that makes you like 10, maybe. Yeah. But then Probably again, that, five. That, yeah, because that was... It seems like that was like 15 years ago, and it was actually yeah. like... For, what age are you? Wait. <laughs> <laughs> 22? 20, uh, 21. Jesus. Um, I, and it, like... Van Hoydonk didn't even make the half so I think we took a gamble in playing him because he wasn't fit That's right, scores yeah. a goal and then gets injured and Willie Fulton was brought on to oh was he oh I don't remember that sort of detail oh Christ didn't know that uh, aye so that for me is probably the best cup memory just play, basically because of Paul McStay I, I th- he deserved I, it I, I, and it was the end of a, a drought a cup drought I was kind of trying to, try to think of the first like Scottish Cup I remember and it was 1991 the uh, Motherwell 4 Dundee United 3 one the really really famous one um, which was amazing just you know kind of yeah, pinnacle of what a cup final is that um, wasn't Rangers winning exactly um, Craig Brewster and all that um, but yeah I think it's really hard for people of our age to see by the 95 cup final just because of how important it was um, yeah Aye, so I think we'd probably both be in agreement there. There's almost no surprise, really. Um, Although, having said that, last season was... You know, people talk about how last season, oh, as much as Celtic, you enjoyed, you know, there was no challenge or anything. Aberdeen last season in the Cup final were were excellent. Um, They really... It was like they finally cracked how to kind of play against us. And just, you know, I think it was like the 85th minute, there was a break on where the ball's put in, like Kenny McLean misses yeah. an opportunity right in the middle. And you think to yourself, but yeah. it was like end-to-end stuff. It's an emotional roller coaster. It was, it was an emotional roller coaster. And that, that, what did you make of that game, Alex, the, the cuffing last year? Uh, I actually covered it for Spiel Flagrum. Oh. It was the first Scottish game that I'd covered on there. Talk us through it. Um, my... Prevailing, I can't remember exactly what I wrote, but my prevailing thought would have been I would have covered Aberdeen's man marking. So I think you're saying that you felt as though Aberdeen finally cracked it. Yeah. I would argue that Aberdeen finally, I wouldn't say perfected, but they had improved on the same thing that they'd been doing all year, which is just rigidly man marking. And I think that against Celtic in that game, I think they marked particularly tight. And they were stayed on their man for particularly long. Um, Is that how you beat Celtic? No, not at all. Not not, not Celtic. Come on, did the opposite of that, didn't Ah, he? Certainly. So in in that game, in the cup final, um, if I remember correctly, there were moments where Celtic would have their their usual. They'd have Gordon 
Um, who played in that game? Bayata. Was it Bayata? Did he play in that game? Yeah. Bayata and Yozo? Yeah. Bayata and Yozo. Um, they would split, obviously, and Aberdeen would just man mark those two centre halves. And then because the other two centre mids who was playing there, um, Jack was playing and Shinny, I, I presume. Yeah. Um, they were man marking Celtic's other centre mids, which would have been Rogic and Brown. Armstrong. Oh, yeah. And Brown was just left completely free in the middle. And now Celtic actually do a really good line in making sure that guys, if teams do man marks them, they actually have a fairly decent idea of how to give the how to one create the free man and how to two give him as much space as possible. And when that free man is Scott Brown, which it usually is, because he's really really good at manipulating that and making sure that he's the one that hasn't got anyone on him. So he was able just to get the ball. That first line of pressure is done, and then all of a sudden you have Scott Brown bringing the ball out against. What eight Aberdeen markers, and you've got like how many? Well, seven more guys, seven more Celtic guys ahead of you. So it's really, really easy for Celtic to bring the ball out in that sense. Um, and then especially once you get Kieran Tierney going, yeah, bombing, bombing yeah, down yeah, the left yeah. side, and then that just sucks the Aberdeen winger into the defensive line, and all of a sudden you have like a big line of five or six Aberdeen players across the eighteen-yard box. You only have like two or three guys to cover the whole of centre midfield to cover the whole like pitch ahead of it, so it's really really difficult to actually get any pressure on the ball if you get caught in that sort of back six, as it were. Yeah, uh, and that, that's the, the the thing about that is you know Aberdeen took the took the lead in that game. Um, yeah. Johnny Hayes took yeah. the lead famously. Uh, and Celtic hit back really quickly. Uh, and uh-huh. It's one of those where if there'd maybe been a like five or ten more minutes, yeah, where but Celtic like they, hadn't hit back, the goal that. Was it Stuart Armstrong that scored? Yeah. So the goal that he scored, if I remember correctly, was just typical of that situation where I think I highlight. I remember the picture I, I drew for it. Um, highlighted that sort of lack of attention that Aberdeen paid to the centre of the park. So if you think about Kelly and how they managed to just make sure they were always covering the centre of the pitch, always covering the centre. It was really difficult for Celtic to play in the middle of the pitch there. They had to go round the outside and end up passing it round and up and back and up and round and back and never anything through the middle. Whereas Aberdeen was the complete opposite. They just wanted to get tight to a man, so they didn't actually really care if the ball was in the middle or if it was on the wing. So Stuart Armstrong was able just to, dri- to dribble into the centre and then have a fairly free shot at goal from a decent Stuart Armstrong yeah. length, and all of a sudden that's one each straight away. And you're thinking, oh, so from Aberdeen point of view, you're thinking if they could hold on for Another five more minutes, five ten more minutes. The thing is, even then, like if they, even if they had, it'd been difficult for them to sustain that, sustain that um, that pressure because it would have just fallen apart anyway. Yeah. I think Celtic are really good at that. Favorite Scottish Cup memory, or just not even your favorite, just a Scottish Cup memory that kind of sticks out for you. I'm in a sort of unique position that most of my Scottish Cup memories or Cup memories in general. Uh, come from the Highland League. Oh, okay, the new. Okay, the new indeed. So as a as a young is that, lad, is that offensive? No, not not to me. Okay. Not Sorry. to anyone. I think. As a young lad, I I was brought up on a diet of Highland League football in the form of Bucky Thistle. Bucky Thistle. Bucky Thistle. Named after the drink, of course. Yep, naturally, That's of course. Um, who also play in green and white hoops? Yeah, dancer. As the, the it's us <coughs> sport lesbian. Bucky Thistle and QPR, as we've been made, made aware this week. The the legend goes that Celtic donated kits to Bucky Thistle in 1889. Oh, is that true? Oh, it is, that's uh, cool. Well, it's, it's the legend, so it might not be true. Oh, come but on. Just, just, you should have just said aye. 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 Edit that bit out. Aye. <laughs> there aye. we go. Hitsman. There we go. There we go. Um, 1889? So, 
1889. So one the year, year after. after we were born, that kid. I, we didn't wear hoops that first year. Was it not 1902 or something like that when we in actually started? That's why, it's a thing. <laughs> that's why it's I a might be lying, but we definitely didn't wear hoops our first season, and then I think we wore stripes for a couple of years. We printed out then. too many um, hoops the second se- the first second season, of course, and we're like, "Oh, we've got these spare hoops, guys. Here yeah. you go." And they said it just like that. <laughs> just like, hey, guys, uh, they were all weird American transatlantic yeah, uh, freaks. But if um, I've got memories of going down to obviously because Bucky Thistle didn't really get. Still don't really get much further than the third down of the Scottish Cup if they're lucky. So I remember going down to places like Capilo for a, a heart wrenching three two loss oh. to Greenock Morton. They were two 0 down and scored two goals. And Davy McRae scored a scored a good goal from thirty yards out. The goalie, big Davy, dropped into the net. What a boy! And then Gary Templeman, Gary Teng- Templeman scored the winner for Morton. Temples, Templeman. 1903 for the hoops and, then, and there it is ah you're talking shite mate you're talking there it is so maybe it's the other way around <laughs> maybe, maybe it's Bucky <laughs> Thistle donated the hoops <laughs> yep, to Celtic that was it we're like so, these stripes aren't doing it <laughs> technically we're Bucky Thistle fans is what I mean anyway yeah. um, so the game at the weekend did you see the game yourself Alex I saw bits of the first half okay fair enough uh, Bowd kind of thoughts <sighs> I it was um, obviously James Forrest was amazing but it for a three-two victory, it wasn't as um, wasn't as enthrallingly end to end. Yes, you as you would as you would have hoped. But we got the points. We did the job. I didn't feel comfortable until we get the third. But once we did that, um, once they once they get the second, nah, uh, even at that, I didn't I didn't really have the fear. I didn't I didn't have the fear, but I was I just. You know, it was it was a weird game in that we were never. It's going to sound ridiculous because it was three two, but we were never really in any danger of losing. But at the same time, there was it's a Scottish Cup. There was five minutes left when they made it three two. Could they have equalised and they'd taken it to a replay? There was that chance where they probably should have at the very end. I mean, you know, Tierney's Tierney's challenge it was sensational. One of the back post. One of the back post. Oh, yeah, yeah. like sens- sensational. Um, and. That just goes to show how intelligent Tierney is, seeing you know the run and block, blocking the run off. Um, but James Forrest was uh, terrific. Um, what went wrong? About what? Like what went wrong? Like where do you think? Obviously, Jozo gave them a route back into it with one of the most laxity. See, as soon as the ball came to Jozo, I said to my dad, "Watch this," because I seen the the uh, it was Chris Dillon. Yeah, Dylan made the run off him. Just you know, as any good striker does, anticipating maybe he's going to pass it back, and see when he did pass it back, I was just like, "That's that sums that that mug up for me." And then obviously, um, the fish. What you call him? Salmon. Salmon. That's. Not, I mean, that's not funny. No, I totally actually forgot his name. <laughs> <laughs> Genuinely <laughs> forgot his name. I just knew he was fish related, but um, salmon just kind of easing him off the ball to to score the second as well. Yeah, I think you was a bit of a. Bit of a mare, mate. Bit of a mare. But, um... What's going on there? <laughs> oh, dear. Oh, dear, exactly. Oh, dear. Oh dear. Oh dear. I'm embarrassed for myself, if I'm honest. Uh, but not as embarrassed as I am for Yuzo, because it was a poor performance. I thought it... Yeah, I thought it was, I thought it was a uh, terrible performance. Yeah, fair play to both uh, the Partick Festival players doing and the... Uh, Salmon. Salmon, the fish guy. Uh, their finishes were fantastic. They did really well with it. To score, um, but yeah, I think that especially the first user was 
making mistakes he shouldn't have been. Yeah, um, Jose was making mistakes he shouldn't have been, but that, to me personally, has always been kind of Jose. Uh, what do you think of Simonovic yourself, Alex? I generally, generally, on the whole, I like him. I think he's he's a. I can usually it's just strange this these strange strange moments like the the two in the party game. But when he's you know when he hasn't got that in his game, he's fairly dependable. I, I whenever I've watched Celtic this season, I've never felt as though when Yozo's in the back line, I've never felt as though ah, maybe maybe he's going to cough one up here. So I think the last couple of games that he's played in Hearts and Partick have been particularly puzzling uh, in that respect because I think usually he's in fact until fairly recently I, I would have considered him to be the 1A centre back Would you have played? Well I think that's pretty fair I'm trying to think when my mind would have changed but he definitely was our best centre back for a while and it was, it was him plus someone else basically yeah. for the for the back line and now it's well, it was Bayata plus yep. someone else yeah. so at some point that changed probably around the Hearts game the 4-0 yeah I more. think I think him and Boyata just kind of I, we've, we talked about this last week in the podcast uh, Boyata has uh, so many good qualities um, he's got <laughs> He's got so many good qualities, and he can play games where he doesn't put a foot long, like flawless games. Yeah. But then, yep. in certain situations against certain teams, he—it's the press. Yeah, it's the the fear of the press. Like as soon as you have that pressure on you, he doesn't. When he's when he's fa- when he's got the ball at his feet and he's facing forward, he panics. Um, is I don't even know if you can, can you coach that out of somebody. Well, I suppose that if you this is a phrase that I used last time I was on, and a phrase that I used in the <laughs> in the you know what's coming as well, the phrase that I used in the article um, on IR. If you're pressing, all you're really doing is you're just reducing the amount of space and time that a player has got on There's, the ball. Yeah, the spatial temporal oh, conditions, as yeah, it were. Yeah, um, you were desperate to get that in last oh, time, and you've yeah. got it in effortlessly this time. It's, to be honest, it's, so it's beautiful. Flawless. It's like an episode of Star Trek. Oh Jesus Christ! Don't get him started about Star Trek. He'll be here all fucking night. Captain Zulu, I might be calling. I know it's not Captain. Anyway, some later fan fiction certainly. Oh Jesus Christ! Can Cannon he was a captain? But I think that generally, back to the point, like generally, I think that it is possible to train players to. Be better deal. Be better at dealing with situations where they don't maybe have as much time. So making perhaps maybe better looking, better at um, perceiving. So looking at what their options might be. So for example, if you take that Yozo one with uh, when Dylan scored, if you take that as an example, I don't think Yozo looks, does he? No, he does. I think that's the problem. It didn't. So either, so it is possible to you know get players to to look more often to look better even. wouldn't that be the like uh, that's why I kind of shouted at my dad when I was watching it because I was like because I could see that he wasn't going to look it's not even like he didn't look it's like the way his body shape was he was looking that way and his body had already made the move to make yeah. the pass uh, that's just bad defending yeah I mean th- these things are all workable though. it's not like a disaster in fact I've, one of the writers on Spielflagerung um, is currently working with a with a national team player, a national team centre half, um, working on stuff like that, working on 
just one individually um, working on how to improve perception and how to make better decisions and you know how to improve what technical stuff he's doing what technical actions he's making so these things are certainly workable I don't think that it's the end of the world if he's making these mistakes again Yozo's quite he's quite a young centre half as well he's, 20, he's 23 I think 23, so he's, he's and as far as centre half go he's not old and knowledgeable and I, ragged I, yet yeah. I, I don't think by any stretch of the imagination he's a I don't think he's a t- like dreadful player I don't yeah, think uh-huh. that he's, he's obviously got again he's like Boyata he's got qualities it's just that when it's his lack of concentration yeah. I think is one of his big problems and that's I think that's probably one of the hardest things to kind of coach out of somebody um, you'd know better than I would but um, part of me thinks he's not going to be happy sitting on the bench because he wants to play for yeah, wants to play international football yeah. um, if a bid came in for him that was ridiculous like I'd be more than happy to take it because yeah. I I I find him a very very frustrating player. Bowd, off your fucking phone. Are you playing that stupid Star Trek game again? I'm playing Star Trek, but I might have been reading about it. <laughs> <laughs> During the podcast, well, you know, consummate professional, consummate. Um, Just we played the uh, brought brought Lustig back in, went to back four. Um, Masonda, uh, Dembele. What were they doing in the back four? That was a that was a mistake from Brendan. Do that one outside. I think it's an awkward laugh. <laughs> it's, uh, I find I, that a lot. I, ha- I have to laugh because he's sitting right beside me. Yeah. Um, no. Uh, so just these three points. Um, the back four. Um, were you happy that we played the back four? How do you think it took? Obviously, the one mistake from the two mistakes from Yozel, But other than that, how do you think we did? Uh, what did you think of Charlie's performance? Uh, and Dembele as well because people were very very critical of Musunda and uh, Dembele all night long Musunda as well what did I say Musunda how about you fuck up there's going to be all sorts of combinations of L's (laughs) I'm going to call him Charlie yeah let's go with Charlie Um, Charlie comma Charlie comma Mighty Bush yes yes Uh, back four right I mean the it did its job. It did its job, and you see, both goals were Mistakes. individual errors. Um, although I suppose some ways you could say all goals are individual errors, but um, it wasn't the, the team weren't. We weren't. They didn't break out as it was literally us giving up possession. Yeah, and that's where the kind of issue came from. Um, and I think because some of our best performances this season have been free at the back, but I think I think we need to have options. So I think it's always good to. Get a bit of, uh, for a better word, an experience of playing both. But I think it's good that we can switch between both and and look comfortable. Um, what were you asking about, Miss uh, Charlie and Dembele? Charlie, uh, you know, I think he came in with this a is big reputation. In, this is going to feed into the Zenit kind yeah. of thing. He came in with a big reputation. I think people just expected him to turn up and be, you know, Lionel Messi. Maravchik and or just, Pat Roberts, yeah, um, but we don't. Which, we can't get miracles, yes, which he hasn't done. But I think you can definitely see flashes of what what is a very talented player. Uh, and Dembele, I thought performed well. I, I mean, thought he was fine. Yeah, he did. Uh, the, the work for the first goal was was particularly particularly good. Excellent. That really brought that ball down really well. And the, the, the kind of ball, the, the the touch to take it away from yeah. the two defenders was yeah. excellent. Um, there's a lot of time when people criticise Dembele. People just don't like Dembele. There's a lot. Of, there's a lot. There's a lot of Celtic fans who don't like Dembele, 
I think part of that's to do with the fact that they think he's keeping Griffiths out of the team and they like Griffiths. Um, and part of it is maybe, I don't mean to seem like a football intellectual, but, uh, you know, they're, they're not seeing the things that maybe we're seeing. Maybe his work rate off the ball, what he's doing when he's dragging players, you know, in, into different uh, sections of the park. And a lot of the a lot of the time people just want, literally, the ball up the pitch. Aye, it's very easy to, you know, strikers... I am a football intellectual. Yes, well, obviously. Look at the beard. So, and I wear glasses. Uh, think yeah. about that. And I think it's easy to reach strikers as... You sat on your glasses. Yeah, last week. <laughs> <laughs> and that's... <laughs> That's the why piece. you're no longer a football intellectual. Yeah. yeah, you've lost the glasses. Yeah, I'll give you some. Uh, I'll, I'll you bought mine. New glasses. Probably my sister's old glasses. This guy. So that's the. That's, that's an end joke between me and you that no one else will get. Anyway, uh, aye. So it's very easy to rate strikers as goals as he scored. Um, but there's more to that. But obviously, you need your forward players to get goals. The other thing about Dembele, as you say, there's the, the Griffiths aspect. Um, a lot of fans are turning it into Griffiths or Dembele. You like one or the other. Whereas, we all know, they're both fantastic strikers. Just Dembele's a bit better. Yeah, he is. I mean, there's, there's absolutely no question. And um, the other thing I'd say about Dembele, he does, to me anyway, and you might disagree, when he when he's out, he does take a few games to get back in. Aye. He's not the kind of striker that or player that kind of comes back after a period out due to injury or whatever, and he's... First game. I mean, mentioned, mentioned this in the last podcast. I think it took him ten goals. <coughs> His first ten goals, he didn't score. First ten games. First ten games. Sorry. Yeah. But you look well. Obviously, I wouldn't say you look great instantly, but you could see a game. You could see his qualities. Reason, yeah. You could see his pace. You could see his power, and that that's the thing. I mean, this brings us on. This brings us just on to the Zenit game. So we're recording this on Tuesday. The Zenit game is on Thursday. Um, we're led to believe that Tom Rogic probably will be missing it in terms because he's not match fit he's not played he's not yeah, played a lot of he's games he's going to play in the development there was a development game, game yesterday but, but it got cancelled yeah. it got kiboshed kiboshed was that. it a masonic conspiracy to make sure Tam Rogic didn't get game time I'm going to just putting it out there I'm going to assume so it yep. seems like that's the thing um, but so well, we can talk about Celtic at length as, as we always do but uh, I also want to talk a little bit uh, not a little bit a big bit about Zenit uh, Alex, you are like a you're a Zenit fan. Yeah, I would, I would go in so far as to say that. Yeah. Um, I know. Ooh, yeah, you, you, why are you doing lightsaber sounds? <laughs> <laughs> to intimidate. <laughs> it's not working. <laughs> um, so, uh, give us a bit of background on Zenit. So, Zenit are coming off the back of a a bit of a disab- a bit of a lull, perhaps, in their in their recent history uh, they had they had a really successful time under Dick Advocate and right. obviously 2007-2008 culminating in the UEFA Cup win and Super Cup win um, and then they brought in uh, Luciano Spalletti who went on and continued a lot of good work and they started sort of turning into this um, obviously they got the, the Gazprom money behind them at that point yeah. uh, so they started bringing in some more established names uh, under AVB they were Less than spectacular, but they still managed to bring home the league and they were in consistently in the Champions League. Yeah, uh, they're in the Champions League. Some some good performances against teams like the likes of um, Borussia Dortmund. I think they had uh, a good win against. I think Hulk, and they obviously they had guys like Hulk and Witzel. Um, after that, it was Luchescu who, for all 
to put it to put it briefly, didn't have a didn't have a really great time there. No. Um and now Mancini, who has brought in a lot of Argentines. Five Argentinian players he brought in. Really high really high standard players he brought in, so he's done really well in that sense. Um he's looking to shore up his Russian core as well. But at the moment they're sitting second in the league. They obviously didn't make Champions League football last year, so they dropped off a bit of a disappointing year last year. And now Was that under Mancini as well? That was last year was under Luchescu. Right. So that was perhaps uh kind a of factor. Yeah. Um and uh, who could who made the Champions League this year? It was CSK Moscow and Spartak, I think. Yeah. The two of them. So at the moment they're second in the league, they're eight points off the top behind Lokomotiv Moscow, which at this stage of the season obviously they've got a huge winter okay. break there. Is it two months or something? Well longer than that. They finished at the end of November, start of December, and they don't won't start back up again until the end of February, start of March time usually. So, so that's a long that's like three months off. So three months off. <coughs> we are obviously playing them tomorrow, um sorry, on, on Thursday. So they won't have played a game since the end of November. Not a competitive game. Not a competitive. So uh, they'll be playing, uh, playing friendly. The last, the last competitive game I think they played was against. It was either against Real Sociedad in Europa League at the start of December, or it was against Achmat Grozny just after that. So around about the first week in December, basically. Since then, uh, since then they've played six friendlies. I think maybe seven. Uh, they had a training camp in. Dubai and one in Turkey. So their last game in Turkey was a couple of days ago against Maribor. Um, How they got on there? Do you know? Uh, they won two of their games in Turkey. They drew the first one against Slavia Prague, who Celtic played this preseason. Yeah. Uh, they beat. Who did they beat? They beat Red Star Belgrade and Maribor, three one and something. Okay. But before we continue about, I'd like a pun in, a pun about the fact that Lokomotiv Moscow are running away with the league in Russia. Three, two, one, go. You've just done it, really. We're steaming ahead. <laughs> there you go, that's better than running away. Yeah. I mean, beyond, when I said Lokomotiv Moscow, <laughs> the first thing I was thinking was, should I jump in with some sort of pun here? You should have. I get carried away. <laughs> Alex, <sighs> just <laughs> Alex looks oh, like... I, I, that was... That was, that was Better than I was expecting. Okay, didn't expect anything to be honest. Um, <laughs> but so uh, Mancini's came in, yep. and from a style point of view, how how do they? What's have they got a specific style? Um, in terms of style, I would say pragmatic. Is if that's a style, um, <laughs> it's not perhaps the the best to watch, but in. Like is it is it a rigid style? Do they have, or not, is there a certain level of fluidity to how they play? Or not? Uh, in terms of style, there are a few things that are fairly constant. Um, I wouldn't say that they press particularly high. Um, they might step, they might push up onto the on the goalkeeper and make the goalie play long. So I wouldn't, I would expect to see that against Celtic. They certainly did it against um, against Real Sociedad. Um, what was the Sociedad result? They won three one in both games. Home and away, fuck. Against a team who dominate possession, who bring the ball out positionally, don't, don't, who bring don't. the ball into advanced areas, and who are capable of some pretty bad defensive errors, as um, was pointed out by Fitban Scotland's Jamie Kilday in the preview <coughs> today. Shit. So, um, yeah, I would say that that's not the, the best omen 
for Celtic at all. But Zenit will probably look to sit in their own half. If they play anything like they did against Real Sociedad, which I wholly expect them to, um, they sat off quite deep in both those games, only really <coughs> looking to press higher than the halfway line on occasion, just if it was on, just if it happened to be on. I think they averaged 25% possession over both games. What? 20, 21 and 30% in each game. Um, like so is it, it counter-attacks? <coughs> Did they just... Yeah, yeah, certainly. Pacey breaks. Yeah, very much so. Oh, so guys like Emmanuel, uh, guys like Rigoni plays on the wide right is rapid and against Sociedad away every time Zenit won the ball, even if it was just a... Even if Sociedad miscontrolled it once and it was just... It looked like it might fall to Zenit player. He was away. He was away. He was away and he would just go and then on top of that you got guys like Kukorin in the middle who will play that game in the centre forward he's not exactly slow either okay, Dimitri Polos played on the left in that game as well he's not a slouch so these guys getting forward I think Igor Smolnikov is doubtful for the game I've heard <clears throat> but if he were to play it right back and he gives them another option um, that's two pacey right sided wingers against Kieran Tierney and yep. potentially Scott, I mean we'll talk about formation from Celtic but potentially Scott Sinclair as well yeah so I, I doubt that Smolnikov will play in which case it'll be Bernislav Ivanovic probably right back I've heard is, that Ivanovic is injured is he? he's got an eye injury right and potentially he's going to miss as well right so good news? yeah certainly for, well, from a Celtic point of view yeah sure I, I would say that quite the opposite I'd say that's quite bad news yeah um, oh yeah because you're one yeah, of those I think, An- think mm. Anu- I think Anukov is out as well I think he's been playing with the second team recently right I think well he's ancient anyway I mean he started in that UEFA Cup final 2008 so I mean that tells you how old he is mm-hmm. um, at least 10 years older from when at I least was 10 uh, yes that is <laughs> yeah. so that's maths spout that is it's good, it's it's good application there did maths um any questions for Alex? I'll obviously have yeah, well, I was just going to say, with the your boy bombing forward so much, do you think that's an opportunity for Celtic uh, to take advantage of that? I know you said he's pacey, so he can probably get back quite quickly, but if as soon as it looks like Zenit will get a sniff, if he's, if he's attacking, could we take advantage of that? I think that's certainly one of the avenues that Celtic might have. One that, depending on how Zenit play now, if they play four three three, that's the thing with Manchini Zenit is they're very unpredictable in terms of how they line Pragmatic, up. As you're saying. <clears throat> they will, he will be looking for every last thing that he can exploit, every last weakness, every last chink yep. in the armor, and he will try to f- get try to press all those buttons. Um, Do you think because sorry, jump <coughs> in, but I mean, you might look at the Kilmarnock game and just use that as a sort of perhaps. Perhaps that that they I mentioned to you earlier, um, off off the mic behind the scenes, behind the scenes, behind the scenes <coughs> at, uh, at Cynic Towers <laughs> in oh. the green room. Yeah, the green it's room. The, it's yeah. the same room as this one. It's, yeah, we're actually we're standing in, in the hall. Oh, okay. So regardless whether the hall is green or not, <laughs> um, <laughs> the, the pertinent point to take away is that um, both systems that. Kelly used in that game against Celtic so obviously they started with the 4-4-2 behind the getting men behind the ball and when they took off Chris Boyd they moved to a 4-3-4-5-1-4-3-3 a 4-3-2-1 however you want to yeah or however you want to um, call it those systems are both systems which then have used quite comfortably in Europe and they've systems they've used in the preseason games which I've seen so they've played they've played 4-4-2 and they have played 4-5-1 as well so, depending on how they set up, there is certainly possibility for counterattacks. 
Um, are they likely to just set up and play that way and you know stick to that formation, or is there opportunity for them to change within a game? The way Rogers does, if he sees something yeah. not working, he'll change. Is Mancini that sort of tactically aware? Yeah, I would. It seems so, and obviously his body of work would suggest that yeah. he is. Um, and even with Zenit in the games, I thought personally, I thought that they were really good at the start of the season when they played 4-4-2 they played a guy called Dalar Kuzayev at right midfield Dalar Kuzayev came through somewhere uh, maybe he actually came through at Zenit um, anyway he ended up in in Grozny in Chechnya uh, as a attacking midfielder or as a defensive midfielder but a creative a creative one at that um, so he was a centre mid he came to Zenit this summer and he was played right mid in a 4-4-2 and one of the characteristics of Zenit's game season early early on was because um, I would come into centre mid when they had the ball, so he would sort of act as an extra centre midfielder, which was quite a nice wee adaptation with Smolnikov then bombing down the right-hand side. Now, again, they're so flexible in that neither of those guys could play mm-hmm. in the sense that they, neither of them might actually take the field on, on Thursday. Um, so Paredes will, though, eh? I would expect so. He's certainly one of he's one of the best players in terms of just quality wise yeah. in the league. Now, whether or not he's performing that way, whether or not he's allowed to perform that way, given how Mancini plays, is another question. And it's one that gets me very frustrated because um, I'm a big, big fan of Paredes. I'm a huge fan of Paredes. His body work at Empoli was superb and put him in my esteem anyway. In my um, in my view, put him in maybe one tier under the world, world-class defensive midfielders. I thought that he was absolutely sensational at Empoli. Um, I, I remember from uh, Boca, because um, at, that, at that point, uh, myself yeah. and my, I mentioned this a couple of weeks ago, we, um, we were watching every kind of game, um, which was a bastard, because it was like 2 o'clock in the morning. It's on Sunday. YouTube, that wasn't it? Uh, yeah, it yeah. was, yeah. Um, and I remember like he stood out like a sore thumb, and it was one of those where like he's so good, it's only a matter of time before yeah. he leaves. And then obviously he got his move to Inter, and then he was out on loan for... For, yeah, for, uh, it was Roma, I think he went to. Yeah, he went to he, Roma. He went yeah. to Roma, and then Sorry. when he went on loan to Empoli, I think he played a couple of games at centre, because it was Gianpaolo that was the coach there, and he plays a midfield diamond, he still does it at Sampdoria. And I think he played a couple of games at centre mid, I think he might have played at 10 once, and then he got moved to the bottom of the diamond as a six. And when he was there, he was just unreal. In terms of when you think of players, if you were to ask for a player to sit at the bottom of the diamond and to move the ball forwards into any of, the, any of those attacking positions centrally through the middle of the pitch unless well, if Sergio Busquets isn't available you would want Leandro Paredes because he gives the ball in such good condition to the next guy shit yeah but the, the, the good thing from a Celtic perspective is that Zenit don't really play like that in fact Zenit are very wing oriented and have been for a very long time um, balls into the box yep as in get the ball out wide early uh, Kokorin making runs off the Diagonal runs into the channels, spin off, spinning off the centre half, and behind so the good old back. fashioned football. It is dire. <laughs> <clears throat> I hate it. I watching Zenit is a chore. Um, has been for many years now. This guy doesn't appreciate good old fashioned football. Get a ball in the fucking box. Am I right, Bowie? Get it in the mixer. Ball in the mixer. Yeah. So um, there's, there's always an opportunity for Zenit to change things up a wee bit. So I've spoken about their their. their pace and their finesse, guys like Corin Drusi might play up front, Sebastian Drusi, formerly of River Plate um, Matthias Kranivitter as well, holds up the midfield really really well, 
Um, who, who, who is our most potent like goal threat? Who, Kokorin's had a breakout season this year. I think he was one of the guys who was touted in Russia as the next big thing for a long, long time. And it seemed like for a good few years there was sort of almost like a running joke that he would be linked with moves to the Premier League. Arsenal would come up every six months. Every six months it'd be Kokorin to Arsenal. Yeah, uh, yeah I remember that, stuff. Yeah. Every six months that stuff would come out. And he always kind of flattered to deceive. And he got his move to Zenit last year when Dynamo Moscow had a bit of a financial meltdown. They had to sell him for peanuts, basically. Um, but this season, when Mancini played two up front with him and Drusi, he really, really came into his own. And he's... he's um, Domestically, if he's not the top scorer, he won't be the top scorer because Fyodor Smolov exists. Um, but Kokorin is certainly near the top. And in Europe, though, funnily enough, Emmanuel Rigoni, the right midfielder aforementioned, um, is he's the top scorer. I think in he's the top League. scorer in the Europa League. Yeah. Um, that's partly down to I think he scored a hat trick in one game and had a couple of other games where he scored a couple. But um, he's again just because of how they counter attack in Europe with yeah. the pace that he's got. But I'm hearing two up top. I'm hearing wingers. I'm hearing diagonal runs. Music to my ears, my man. Should yep. we start supporting Zenit? Yeah, I think we should get Mancini in. I fucking get him in and get all those players and bring them up the road. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I was just going to ask. Alex, if he thinks Lustig Fuck up. could be a bit oh. of a weak wink, oh. weak wink, a weak link, um, just like I am in this podcast, uh, due to the fact that he's not incredibly pacey, and the fact that they have so much pace, is that something? I know you, Do they have pace on the right side? Yeah, but, well, Rigoni will play, almost surely will play on the right, um, who plays on the left, or if they, if they play with the, who plays on the left is... Up for up for oh, grabs, yeah. really. Like I said there has been Dimitri Polos, who was maybe more familiar to football fans as being the l- one of the strikers for Rostov when they went on their mad oh, Champions mad League run. run. Um, so he was one of those guys that uh, Zenit just Zenit poached a whole bunch of Rostov players. Plank, after yeah, right up plankton players as you yep, do. You, as you just do. skip them up. The centre half, uh, Mia Mevlia, Slovenian, who. I can't remember if he played against Scotland or not. Um but he was he was snapped up. Uh Noboa was snapped up. Tony um, Boa, of course. Uh yep. Uh-huh. <laughs> I was thinking Balboa, but that that would do it. <laughs> I'll bail um, Balbo. So I'm just naming players now. Um but yeah, so they took they basically just scooped up a lot uh-huh. of players for so, but, uh, as for who might play on the left hand side, uh, Yuri Zhirkov has played on the left recently. He as in against, Yuri as in as in Yuri as Zhirkov. In the Zhirkov, right? oh, yeah, okay. uh, him him. Uh, that guy, uh, he played. It's, it's about it's funny because it says like Jerkov. Yeah, that's exactly which is an American word for wank. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> just, just in case. <laughs> just the explanation. You just you've got to explain the jokes. Can I can I ask you, Chris Bowes? Do you yes. think Lustig's a, le- a weak link? And when did you turn heel on me and my fucking beliefs? <laughs> I love Lustig. Do you fuck? Yeah, I hate him. Uh, no, I just he is he's he's a wee bit tired. He's a wee bit slower. He's not. I don't. I don't, I don't actually. I don't know. If, if we're looking at Jenko play, just considering he's been out for four games and then he comes back and he takes a hell of a dunt to the knee. I don't. But know he, play, he played on, didn't he? He did play on, but he was still kind of. He was limping a little I was, bit. I was. I was. I was gone by this point. Yeah, yeah it's just so it, it looked nasty. Yeah. 
No, but there was in the second half. He, he was according to who was it? Who, who was it who called him out? Stephen Craigan oh, said Stephen that Craig he called him out. Cole called him out. Stephen Craigan's just one of those old guys who thinks football should be. I mean, football sort of thing. The opposite of of you because you're you know. To, to be fair, there was during the Kelly game. There was on a couple of occasions. So what I was doing, I was obviously I was I've got my two screens right of course right? so on the one screen I've got I've got the game playing on the other screen I've got a, a, a Microsoft Word document just where I, just so I can just pat down some thoughts as as, as they come uh, straight off the dome as it were off the dome piece dome piece <coughs> mm-hmm. to the ideascape ideascape um, <laughs> very reminiscent setup of uh, Newman in Jurassic Park so uh, two screens looks fancy <laughs> two screens <laughs> <laughs> that's my that's my abiding memory of Jurassic Park, not well, dinosaurs. dinosaurs. Uh, Fat Newman from Seinfeld, um, yep. having smoking a cigarette and having two screens and eating the cream. <laughs> Jesus Christ! <laughs> Ignore him. <laughs> Celtic football club. Just saying that. Need a glove. So you get your two um, screens. A couple of two screens. <clears throat> with, this, with the with the cream. <laughs> <laughs> Very important. <laughs> so there, there's a couple of occasions where I've got to take down a note of something. I've, I've noticed something. I've been like, "Oh, that's that's a that's quite a nice wee thing." Or was, one of them was um, when Jack Henry. I made a wee video about this, and I got uh, I got a bit of stick. Oh, I got a lot of stick actually. <laughs> uh, after a video making a video of Jack Henry about what, what happens the pass when, he, when what happens when yeah. he dribbles in. So when he dribbles in, and there was a couple of times when he made the pass to the closest player. And I made quite what I thought was quite a smart wee video. I've, I've discovered a new video editing program which was playing about with it. Um, so he dribbles in and he makes a pass to the short to the close to the player closest to him, which since obviously when he just when he dribbles in, obviously gets, gets a lot of attention. Start folks start running towards him. <coughs> uh, that area becomes a bit congested, and if you make that pass into that area, then that's a really congested area. You're asking a lot of of your teammate. <clears throat> so that happened a couple of times. Um, I got a lot of really constructive criticism um, not, uh, from that. Um, but Stephen Craigan, the second time, I'd bashed out. I was like, "Aha! Like this is this has happened again." I'm going to make a wee note of this, and Stephen Craigan pointed that out, and he said, "This is happening. Maybe he should consider." Playing a longer pass after he steps in. I maybe that was quite a shit. Maybe Stephen Craig and should shut his fucking mouth. Yeah, that was a death nail for you. <laughs> Stephen. <laughs> Stephen Craig. And I could have said any other name. Yep. I would have been. Aye, good, aye, good point, Stephen Craig. Yeah. About expectations for. Um, we'll get to the silly team you think should play. What are your expectations for. for I know we joke and all that, we're going to get pure, like, humiliated and all that. But, you know, what are your actual expectations? I I am a wee bit afraid. Um, I just, again, I've no real knowledge of Zenit whatsoever other than what I've went on and read furiously after I seen that we'd drawn them. But it seems like they have a very decent side, a fast side. Uh, I always fear pace when we come up against it in Europe. Um, and just obviously recently, our form hasn't been... Um, at its finest, especially defensively, so that's worrying. On the plus side, um, as you pointed out, it's been two months really since Zenit have had a competitive game, so you know what, if we, and we've got very good players, if our players are on form, if Brendan gets the tactics right um, and the players implement it, then by all means we could absolutely qualify, but 
I'm not expecting I, it, and I'm, I'm also sorry. Obviously, I go into every game wanting Celtic to win. But do you know what? See if we end the season, we say our achievement was we got um, past the knockout group in the Champions League and the Europa League. That's an achievement for me. We've done better than we did last year. Yeah, uh, that's certainly true. I, I'm not even, you know, you said the tie there. I'm not even thinking about the tie. I'm just thinking about this game because I'm taking it as written that we'll lose in Russia. I'm, I, I just, I just taking it as written. So from that point of view, depending on what happens at Parkhead, um, will depend. If if we win one nil, if we win two nil at Park Celtic Park, um, that's we potentially could go through with that, and that we probably will lose in Russia. If we can keep it down to one nil, that that's absolutely fine. Could we take them to penalties? I, again, I, I just. And this isn't this this isn't being overly cynical. This is just looking at how we've played in Europe. Now, Bayern Munich at home, we were really really good. Bayern Munich at home, if Stuart Armstrong actually scores that goal in the first opportunity in the first four minutes, we win that game because I think that would have knocked the stuffing out of Bayern a little bit when we equalised. Just it, like PSG when we scored against them really early. Knock knock seven stuffings out of them. Or was it six or seven? Shut up, both of you. I'm making a pertinent point. Carry on with your very pertinent point. <laughs> it's not pertinent. I think we'll get pumped. Um, no, I think that if Celtic uh, really... It's a belief thing as well. It's a belief thing because... Um, Zena aren't the top, top level of European football. Certainly not. They're, do you think they're... Actually, do you think they're our level? Or do you think... I mean, they well, are because well, we're in the we're in the same stage of European football. I wouldn't say they're too far off. I wouldn't say there's. Do you think they've, they've probably got more quality in terms they've, of? Well, they've also got more money to spend, mm-hmm. and they can probably, well, they certainly can offer much more attractive um, salaries, financial, uh, financial things. Um, on the topic of belief, now I'll hit you with some stats. Oh, hello! I thought you were going to introduce us to Jesus, but that's right. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Like some stats. Um, these are courtesy of one of the guys over at Russian Football News, James Nichols. Hit me with these. Awesome. Hit Thanks very much. Days. Appreciate Thanks that. James. James. Um, so, Zenit haven't kept a clean sheet in their last five games in all competitions. So, take that as you will. Uh, I'll take that to mean right. that we have qualified. Now, <laughs> also, they've scored at least two goals in five of their six Europa League games. They Fuck. won six of their last seven Europa League games Fuck. and they've been winning at half time and full time in six of those last seven Europa League games. See the the other game, did they lose that? Do you know off the top of your head? Um it was against Utrecht. I think they drew. So it wasn't even a defeat? I don't think they got defeated because it uh, they must have drawn they must have drawn oh so actually they could beat. Because I was at the I was at the return leg. I was, All right. at, I was at uh, the Kristofsky Stadium. Oh, by the way, Beautiful, beautiful stadium, absolute stunning stadium. Any Celtic fans that are going over there will be in for a treat. A treat, yeah, an absolute treat. It'll be freezing outside, but you will go in and you'll be. It'll be t-shirt weather inside the stadium. Is it a closed off roof? It's a closed off. Oh, roof. amazing! It is something else. It's a real proper, lovely football stadium. It's like something like Star Trek with like its own biodome. Biodome. It's, it looks like something. That it looks very space uh, UFO-y. I'm guessing that'll be used for it. That'll be one of the World Cup venues. Uh, yes, uh-huh. yeah. it was the final. It was the venue of the final for the Confederations Cup. 
All right. Um, uh, what was I saying? What was I saying? You, you uh, the game. So then it took the game to extra time with a one nil win in normal time. So they must have got beat one nil in Utrecht. Um, or where Utrecht is a city, isn't it? Yeah, Utrecht is a city. Yeah. Okay. Or yeah. So they must have been beaten one nil there. Um, also, it looks like Zenit's first team goalie or st- first choice goalie and to- uh, Lunyov will be missing the game. Snap. Um, but they can call upon Yurila Deegan, who was their first team first choice goalie for well, years and years before that. Yes. Uh, well, after Malafeev, basically. So it's not like they're going to be chucking in a youth team player. And what sort of keeper is he? Is he a sort of ball at his feet keeper or is he just an old-fashioned? He, he can. He's competent with the ball at his feet. Um, he's one of those goalies that you'll see before the game. He'll be out doing keepy-ups and stuff like that and joining in uh, with the guys doing all sorts of... Uh, just messing about with the ball beforehand, so he's certainly te- technically competent. Um, he's not a great distributor. I'd, I'd probably say he's maybe a wee bit better than Craig Gordon is in terms of playing the ball out. Um, what about De Vries? De Vries? Um, De Vries I, I, I couldn't. I have, honestly, I haven't seen enough of De Vries with the ball's feet. Although I've heard that he's, I've heard that he's got a really good reputation. For well, so, since Gordon, get, get, so De Vries has played what the last three, four games, three games. Yep, and. He's fine, yeah. But he's still. What I think is weird is, like, he's not light years ahead of Craig Gordon. Uh, uh-huh. He's just a bit better. Do, it, he doesn't and look as awkward as Craig Gordon does at times. He, does he, he doesn't. He, he looks. He looks comfortable with the ball at his feet. But so, you know, you expect this. He was brought in to play that specific style yeah, of uh-huh, football, uh-huh. and so I expected him to be like light years, ahead, and he's really not. And you heard uh, there was comments when after Craig Gordon was injured and might have actually been Ayer that was saying he was really really looking forward to playing in front of a guy like De Vries and I think one of the things he actually brought up was his ability to play out with the ball uh, so again I was expecting quite a lot but in the little I've seen I, he's, again he's fine, don't get me wrong I'm, no, I'm yeah, not that, yeah, he's, he's, he's fine but you expect something more from um, Bout, this is for you, like a question from Shane McGinley Sean McGinley, sorry um, is the fact there's no expectation on us going to Thursday's game going to be a massive help? Thinking of the European games you had expectations for in recent years when we, when we went in overconfident at home, Gladbach and Andlex, for example, and we paid the price. There is little in terms of expectation. Yeah, absolutely agree with that. I suppose that would depend. I mean, it's hard for us to, to judge the, uh, the mentality in the, the, the Celtic camp. But from a fan point of view... Um, it, you just feel more comfortable going into games when you're kind of you're not expecting that, um, and I think it's a little bit of a learning curve for Celtic fans as well because, as you say, going into it, a lot of people thought Gladbach um, or Anderlecht, uh, that's a squish. We'll we'll beat them, and that's really not where we are. Right Glad- now. Gladbach gave us one of the. Um the classic sort of away European performances. Uh, yeah. They were terrific. A unit. Yeah. They were led by Lars Stindl, who of course is, is now a that. football god on the same level as Cal McGregor. Oh, here we go. Wow. Um, um, just had to get that one in there. Just before you start, I was going to ask, um, and again, this might be asking too much of you, uh, with the keeper coming in, um, whose name I've instantly Stop forgotten. Playing. Oh, no. Oh, uh, you're Ledegan? Uh, yes. Um, are the defenders that are there the ones that would have played with him? Would he have a relationship with them? Or um, has there been enough changes that he's not necessarily had that experience? 
Um, Lodigan's an experienced goalie. I'm trying to think who'd be playing in front of him. Um, if Ivanovic is out, like you say, Smolnikov's doubtful. Um, Mia Mia Mavlia is, I think, has played with Lodigan on a handful of occasions. Um, Mamana probably in the same boat, and Krishito's played with Lodigan hundreds of times. Um, obviously, they've also had two months away altogether yeah, um, you see the guys I'm one of those guys that follows them on Instagram and you see them all in training like, again like almost every day there's like videos of them not doing daft stuff and whatnot. just basically just spending time together as a as a squad so I don't know if that will actually have that huge uh, a huge yeah, difference um, I think Lunov is a, a better goalie I think I like the way that he tends goal um, more than I do with Egan but it's not a huge drop. It's not the drop from Craig Gordon to, no offence, but Scott Bain or yeah. something like that. Um, Mark at Mark underscore Celtic, uh, he mentions, will low expectation work to our advantage in the Zenit? I think we'd agree it will give us that little bit extra. Um, what's a good result from this first leg? I'm going to ask you that as a Zenit fan. Um, for them coming here, obviously they've got the home tie to go to. What's a good result for Zenit? An away goal, one, and for the game, for the tie not to be out of sight against them. So if I would say if Celtic were to win 2-1, I don't think that's an awful result for Zenit. What about 3-1? More difficult, more difficult, especially considering, yeah. That's a bit of a precarious result for us though, it's, it's I a, feel. It's a pretty horrible result on for everyone uh-huh. <laughs> 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 let's just avoid three ones in general yeah, yeah, just uh, three ones and two legged ties are, are not fun um, but yeah I, I think as a Zenit fan if they were if they were in touch and distance in the second leg and it might sound silly because I generally think that Zenit will get through I've, I find it very difficult to see how Celtic will actually overcome Zenit and yet at the same time I'm saying oh, if we can just stay in the tie after yeah. the Celtic Park game because it will be difficult um, it will be difficult um, for Zenit but I think it's, if they can get their away goal if they can get more than one away goal actually that would be ideal Well, I, let me ask you this they always talk about the Parkhead atmosphere and stuff and mm-hmm. I, we, me, myself and Bowd have witnessed what it can actually do to players yeah. do you think it will affect them? It will be something that the vast majority of them have never experienced before. Now, I'll say that with the caveat of maybe the guys that have played in Argentina. Um, maybe, again, it's madness. Again, Kranivit or played in River Plate for a long time. Paredes obviously was Boca. Uh, Boca in, a big integral part of that Boca team at that time. Drew, say, again, a long time at River. Mamana, same. Um, so maybe... But again, it's, it's different. Celtic Park is different in the UK. It's different in Scotland. Yeah. Um, and again, in Russia, you have intimidating away trips. You have uh, stadiums where the noise is deafening. Again, even in uh, second leg Europa League qualifier with a team that you don't really have any real hatred towards in terms of Utrecht, but the the noise in that stadium was was. Yeah, electric. Ah, uh, really, really, really electric. Um, what can Celtic do to beat them? Let me ask you that. What, what, what? How? And this will link into what I want. Bouds, what Bouds' team's going to be? What? Uh, how can Celtic set up to beat 
Zenit, even just for this one game, take it as a, just a one-off game because we'll, we'll deal with the second leg when we deal with it. I think, like I said, the, probably the most analogous um, comparison that you can make to what the Celtic game will be like would be Sociedad away. Now, in that game, Zenit... <laughs> <laughs> just, it's, it's just absurd it's obscene Sociedad dominated absolutely dominated the game they worked really hard to, to score a goal they've conceded one through a John really punched out a cross and it came out to Yorokin who was at the top of the box and he put that away so I put the 1-0 up they worked really hard to they worked really hard to to pull it back to one each and then Branislav Ivanovic scores an overhead kick <laughs> <laughs> Um, from a corner, ball was headed out. It was played back, and he was just played onside. And he's taken it on his chest with his back to goal, taken it on his chest. He's chested it up the way, and just perfect overhead kick into the far corner. And you're just thinking, just what, what, what the hell? And then uh, Leandro Paredes gets the ball twenty yards out, dribbles through four people, and slots it past the goalie. And again, you're just thinking, what can you do? You can do that. Um, but in that game, anyway, I think that there were times where. Sociedad had a lot of joy breaking through the left-hand side. Um, not so much through the wing, but sort of through what we'd call the left half space, a bit and just part of the pitch in between the wing and what and you'd the, maybe call the centre. Yeah, I know you know. What are you uh, on? Are you um, but I don't know if that's just because of who was playing there. It was Alexander Yurokin who was defending that area, and he's nominally a attacking midfielder, and he was asked to play as a right centre mid. So I don't know if that's just a, a thing that he does. Um, <clears throat> but certainly, I think that there are ways that Celtic can maybe get some joy playing through the midfield but they aren't doing that particularly well themselves no. at the moment um, also with the wingers, again Mancini he's quite irritating in that he's followed this trend of Zenit wingers man marking the fullbacks as I spoke about about um, Aberdeen it's really one of my pet hates I really really, I'm not a fan of it I get why teams do it yeah, but I'm really not a fan of it um, I think that something that came up when you're speaking about Celtic playing a back four against Partick I wonder if that is in preparation for the Zenit game if they are planning on sending both full backs forward because it is something that they did for a few games before New Year and I wondered if they were going to keep on doing it and they haven't they went to quite a quite a different style against Hearts and just three at the back yeah uh, and then they well, against Hearts they played completely differently it was quite more direct are you talking about Hearts at Tynecastle? Hearts, the most recent game, yeah, the one they won, um, <laughs> the one that they won, um, yeah. So they're more quite more direct and focusing on winning second balls, and so I wonder if that might be something that they look to as well. Maybe I think that also Zena are quite susceptible to the counter attacks themselves. Oh, I think that um, in games that I've watched games against Spartak Moscow away they had quite a heavy defeat there I think they weren't didn't look too smart against uh, against a good counter attack um, if Bowed. That, Bowed. sorry if that counter attack starts from inside the Zenit half then I think that obviously the chances are even greater that Celtic might be able to get something that way Bowed, uh if we're going to play back four let's say we play back four you'd imagine it would be Tierney and Lustig yes who would you pick as your centre defence I don't think well, I don't know if Boyat is fit yet. Boyat is, Boyat is, is out. So you're really... So Ayer and Yuzo, is there a huge... Well, are there any other options, really? Bit on. Could you play a back five? 
with nah. Beton coming and kind of sitting out as I mean, a. He could, but nah. Who 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 else who who else is in your team? I, I'm just I'm I'm chewing it over, and obviously we do have a few quite a few people out. I'm struggling to think of changing it from. If you've got McGregor in there, I swear to Christ. Uh, well, that's that's one of the few I don't, I don't changes. You hold, you hold. That's all that Celtic need at the moment. They've been having a bit of a run of poor form. Did I you see? It's, it's no coincidence that it, um, that it correlates. Yeah, there's quite a strong correlation there between the lack of distinct lack of McGregor. I just think lack of, <laughs> <laughs> think lack of, uh, what's, the X, of what, performance. what's the XM tomorrow expected McGregor? Uh, hopefully, hundred percent. Ho- hopefully, it's uh, higher than it has been in the past. Hopefully, there's a. Uh, regression to a, a higher mean. Bowed. Words. <laughs> <laughs> did, you just, did you just say words? I did say words. Uh, I, as I say, I, the, I'm just looking at the Partick Vessel lineup. So the Vries, obviously, Lustig, Ayer, Yuzo, Tierney. Okay, let, to be honest, I think that's what it's going to be. Yeah. Brown and Cham. Again, I can't. I, quite like Kuasi, but those two are definitely there. Um, as we're at home. Sinclair and Forrest. Obviously Forrest Sinclair. The only thing with Sinclair, actually, Dembele Edu are playing together is quite interesting, but I don't think this is the time to I think go for I, that. I thought that might have happened if he'd played, see if he'd played at the weekend there, Dembele and Edward, I think nah, he might that, have, yeah. But, yeah, we've, we've not done enough of that. So really, the big question, I suppose, is Charlie or McGregor? Only one winner there. Uh, you're right, it's French Charlie because he's foreign. <laughs> French, he's Belgian, you fucking dickhead. French Charlie. Charlie Masunda is Belgian. And Charlie Masunda is also Belgian. You need to. <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't uh, even close to a threat, to be fair. What was I going to say? Uh, yeah. Belgian Charlie. Um, Jesus. Uh, yeah, no. I'd, if, if I was talking my brain, I think I would see McGregor, but, you know, why not just... He's exciting and he's new. He's a new toy. But I won't you know, I, I jokingly slag off McGregor. I do actually see the qualities that he, he does genuinely bring to the squad. I thought one of his best games this season was against Bayern, which was also Forrest's best game. Mm-hmm. Um, I would be tempted to play McGregor, Browning, and Cham uh, with Forrest and Sinclair, and they'll be out front. I think yeah, McGregor perhaps. helps you. I have I've spoken at great lengths in almost every appearance. Listen on this in this hallowed in this hallowed uh, couch um, <laughs> couches. <laughs> these couches, um, the feng shui, the feng shui couches um, about Cal McGregor's qualities. I think that in a game against Zenit, where they are going to probably try to make it difficult for Celtic to bring the ball out initially. I think that Callum McGregor is a type of player who just really helps unlock yeah. that and really helps uh, bring Celtic up the pitch together and pin the opposition back in their own half. And then once they're there, he's really good at sort of those wee space opening movements. Isn't that what Zosie Dad did? Yeah, and then there's Ivanovic 3 1. Uh, just Ivanovic overhead kick and Paredes walks through four guys. There we go. Um, no, but okay, so, about yeah, no, I think, and McGregor does offer you, he, you know, he's capable of um, putting a shift in if, as you say, we find ourselves under a barrage of counter-attacks, he's not afraid to muck in and get back, 
Yeah, I think he he knows his damn role. He's not uh, some sort of jabroni that's no. you know un, unsure of his role. Exactly. Um, of course. Um, but so with with that, I think. I honestly don't think, you know, the, the only real joker in the pack in terms of who's going to come in probably would be Belgian Charlie, which is what we're calling him now. <laughs> um, French Eddie will probably be on the bench anyway. Um, aye, it kind of does. And the, the, the team kind of does pick itself for this game in that we've got so many injuries. If Pat was back, if Rogic was back, um, even Pat Van- was back. After Forrest's game at the weekend, and yeah, you'd play Pat on the, the left. Play Pat on the left, though. Yeah. Play him as a number ten in the middle. Play McGregor on the play McGregor wherever. Am I right? Everywhere, <laughs> just in goals. Yeah. Um, Centre back. His talk- distribution would be fantastic. That's what I was going to say. Talk That's, about. But the thing is, if he plays in goals, then he can't pass to himself. Which is can the, he do that? The now. <laughs> well, <laughs> it's easier. He can turn it off the inside of the post. <laughs> You're talking about passing him to no, the you, perfect you, pass. You know what I mean? But like, if one of his best attributes is how, <laughs> how, how he receives the ball, and if he's playing in goals, and when he receives the ball, he's receiving. He's not going to play in goals. Right? <laughs> <laughs> he's not going to play in goals. So, we've came to the Just, conclusion that, yeah. that Callum and Gerrard won't be playing in goals. This is why people listen to the podcast. They <laughs> have insights that you're not going to get elsewhere. Callum and Gerrard not in goals. That we can confirm that. And that's the tactic star has we, decided he has ruled. <laughs> we don't like to drop names, but that source is inside the club. <laughs> Close to Brendan. <laughs> IT- Callum McGregor is not being considered. He's ITK. He's in the know. But yeah, I so I think from a kind of lineup pers- perspective, with with the exception of no, I, I think he'll go. He'll bring McGregor in for for French Belgian so. Charlie. <laughs> <laughs> I can't do that. Big Colombian. I'm going to just call him Charlie, right? Um, so I think he'll he'll bring him in because Charlie does look. He's going to take him time. It's going to take him time in the first team to actually get to know his teammates, to get to know. He doesn't know his bloody role, so roleless. Role. <laughs> Love's a piece. <laughs> um, but no. So we know that pro, the the team kind of picks itself because of injuries. Um, let me ask you this: so, if that team was fit, was any team? Sorry, if the Celtic team right. was fully fit and we had a full squad, uh-huh. does Armstrong make your your first eleven? Mm. Everyone's fully fit and everyone's ready to go. Hmm. It then comes down to well, who, like, so are we, if we assume that Brown and Cham are are so, given, yeah. so it's really is he is left it, or middle, and, and yeah. then also is it really does it then come down to either Armstrong or McGregor? I mean, who is there anyone else or who Rogic. would go in there? Rogic as well. Hmm. That's probably that. Yeah, I, I maybe it's uh, I don't know. I don't think he would. Not for me. I don't think it would for me. I, th- I think that Armstrong has Armstrong has huge, obviously huge, huge qualities. But I think that in a game like that, where it's going to be quite positional, it's going to be quite. You have to be regi- regimented in uh-huh. terms of his passing. <clears throat> it just lets him down so much. Yeah, and th- that's his biggest fault. The yeah. drawback, I think, is his passing. Yeah. And in Europe, that's where obviously we particularly can't afford to be giving the ball away easily, which we see, always do far too much. See, yeah. see the thing about Armstrong. I was thinking about this the other day. Um, Armstrong lacks intensity. See, if Armstrong had a little bit more aggression and in- intensity to his game, I think he'd be twice the player he is. 
he's so see some see sometimes when he gives the ball away, it's like oh I've done it again. Like he doesn't really fucking. Do you know what I mean? It's like the end of Cub your enthusiasm. Whereas he should be bombing to get it back. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but yeah, li- like so. Listen, we're actually a past our, our time, our, our sl- allotted time. It's right. recorded, so technically there is no allotted time. But uh, I'm going to ask you what your predictions are for the tie. No, no, I'll ask you what the predictions are for the first leg. You're going to come back for the podcast before the wee leg, and we can have a chat as well. Absolutely. Next week, I feel I feel have me. Yeah, that's next week. That's fine. Um, for to- more cutting edge insight on why Calum and Gregor won't be playing goals. <laughs> I listened to Vries up front, see if he's so fucking good with his feet. <laughs> he's, got, he's got about 40 goals. Yeah, in the hole. Let's <laughs> not. <laughs> what's, your, what's your prediction for the first leg? Oh, for the first leg. I think. I think it will be a draw. I think it will be one each or two two. And Justin, about. That's a little reference to, to last week's pod. Um. Callback. Was it, it was a call. It was good callback. Almost a trope. No, he's bald. Oh, a toupee. <laughs> That's <laughs> maybe That's better written down. <laughs> that one. That's a stretch. I don't know. Um, I wanted. You know how um, from the Simpsons, uh, the Valentine's Day card. The, you choose, choose, choose me. Yep. No, that's got nothing to do with locomotive. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> right. But tomorrow, that's the title. Tomorrow, that's the podcast title. Tomorrow's, right for you. tomorrow's what Valentine's Day. And I thought I could say that, it, but it would make no sense. What's the name of the podcast? <laughs> choose, choose, choose me. Okay, that because well. obviously we're playing Zenit, so therefore you're making a reference to locomotive Moscow. Right. Lovely. Um, <laughs> That's not the podcast I would just say you know. <laughs> A prediction uh, I've been saying all along I think that we will be beaten But uh, 3-1 That's my <laughs> prediction Celtic to win 3-1 <laughs> Which is the worst one uh, Yep So uh, that's, I would happily take Oh no Fucking I, I would Kidding yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Imagine Celtic went No we don't want that no, just, Sorry <laughs> Just make it 2-1 <laughs> Discount the last one Rather have 3-1 to them I, uh, Exactly yeah. Oh no listen It's no fair in them either I We'll know. just have it 2-1 Exactly um, So what you're saying From a kind of stats point of view Is that Zen are on average Average scoring Two goals Kind of per game They have scored I'll get this right They've scored At least two goals In five of their last six So I assume that's Europa League games um, <laughs> But they've not kept A clean sheet They've not kept A clean sheet in any of them Pure ages uh, Yeah Haven't kept a clean sheet In the last five Right In so all competitions uh, you one There it is That's uh, stats <laughs> that's that's just point, You just pointed A piece of paper And said that's stats Correct Right, okay. Uh, my prediction would be 2-1 to Celtic. I think it probably will. Celtic will take the lead. Um, they'll have an equaliser. And I think we'll score in the last like f- five minutes. I think it'll be a really exciting night. 2-1 is fine for from a Zenit point of view, though. They'll, I'd, I'd imagine they'd Again, be happy like, with Away goal, I'd imagine that... Obviously, they would rather not concede the second goal. Yeah. But I, like, <laughs> They're a football team, they don't... <laughs> But yeah. And McGregor won't start in goals. No, you'll um, no, be I in think midfield the conducting the performance. Like, my, like the maestro him? that he is. Yeah. Um, I think that certainly the way that the way that I expect Zenit will play is 
I expect that there probably will be, especially at Celtic Park, I expect there will be a barrage at the end. A, a barrage? Celtic, a, a Celtic uh, barrage. A barrage? <laughs> <laughs> the, see, the, the more I said barrage, the, you, the more you said barrage, to the point where it was almost, it was almost silent. It was like, <laughs> Um I certainly imagine that if it is, like you say, if it does get to one each and we're five minutes to go or ten minutes to go, like especially with that crowd behind you, it will be... There will be pressure. It will be yeah. Nigel Barrage at the end. Because <laughs> <laughs> we'll be out of Europe. <laughs> oh, there we are. <laughs> Double team. But I think that I think that certainly a lo- it will probably come down to the away leg for Celtic. Yeah, I, I think the, the, way, the way leg will kind of define the tie, I think. But um, Wanda like them. 3-0 in Russia. Incidentally, their captain that played against Celtic, Hani, is now at Spartak Moscow. Ooh. He seemed very... Oh, I, was, I was a big fan of him. Yeah, he was, he was pretty, he he did a lot good. Of, he did, you know, see, for Ander, for all that we beat them 3-0 in That was a very in poor Belgium. Athlete. In terms of how they set up, they were not at firing at all cylinders there. That they, um, they impressed me at Parkhead. I thought very they were much so. very, really, really good. Mm, much better organised. Yeah. yeah. Um... Yeah, I just think that we're finishing up now. But I just think that the biggest disaster for me going into this game tomorrow is if Anderlecht, um, Anderlecht if Senate score first, I think if Senate score first, shut the door. It's, it's, Man- it's Mancini. They'll shut the door, and it'll be yeah. a game over. It'll be a massive ask for Celtic to come back with that. Um, but you know, I'm hopeful, and you know, we have fun and we joke. But you know, it is after the Bayern Munich game. Anything I know, we lost the Bayern Munich game, but the performance. Really, kind of set us apart in that, from from that game, and we've got the cool. potential. It's just you never know what team's going to turn up. Yep. That's the thing yeah. with Europe yeah. as well. We were talking about it in the green room um, <laughs> earlier, <laughs> when we were or next to the green room. Is it where? Yeah, it was. Yeah. It was the the kitchen. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> about just sometimes Celtic players um, this season, specifically in Europe, just haven't. You know, you can talk about all where they are in terms of performance and all that, but some of them just haven't turned up. No. And, and it's it's hard to put your finger on, but hopefully Brendan will have them kind of ready to go. Anyway, that's uh, that's our podcast for this week. Um, looking forward to the game on Thursday. Um, Alex, you come back hopefully next week. If, you, if you'll have me, like I said, <laughs> you did I'm, say I'm, that, I'm, eh? I'm I'm willing to share. He's more, like a vampire. You need to invite him in. Jesus, and then he never leaves. Feed me garlic and I die. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, of course. Uh, um, very unlike Marek. Racist. Maddox <laughs> no. allergic to garlic. Okay. And Maddox. you're not you're not making fun and of his French uh, heritage. No, Maddox is legitimately. Did you know? <laughs> you thought I was being rude. <laughs> you know. That's I should probably know that. You should know that. Jesus. Anyway, um, we are the Ninety Minute Cynic. You can check out our website, ninetyminutecynic.com, where all the articles from our latest magazine, The Cynical have been uh, just been posted over the last week uh, Alex's great article there I've got an interview there's some other really tremendous articles and stuff so check out 90minutesynic.com you can check us out on iTunes if you search for 90minutesynic.com you can subscribe and if you leave a positive comment that would be terrific um, the more positive comments and ratings we get the higher up the charts we go uh, we're also on speakerspeaker.com slash the 90 minutes cynic all of these details can be found out on our Twitter handle which is at 90 minutes cynic um, and there's links to all the articles on there. Alex Lawrence, you are on Twitter at at the ten space at the ten space. All letters, no spaces. <laughs> Ironic. All all letters. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> you're at the Chris Bowd. Correct. Yes. Um, some of our 
Chris Bowd had taken at Chris Bowd. Seriously? Yep. Hasn't what? even tweeted in like five years. What, seriously? Seriously. Some other idiots called Chris Bowd. <laughs> there, is, there is more than one. There's one on Facebook who refers to himself in the third person quite a lot. Which I've been thinking about doing, I'm not going to lie. <laughs> as, as in, like as in calling himself the dick Chris Bowd. <laughs> <laughs> Ironically <laughs> enough, shit. <laughs> um, uh, love your partridge style um, purple jumper. Yeah, yeah, actually, lilac, I would call it. Lilac. Lilac. Um, yeah, I'm on Twitter, at the Galatron, if you want to um, be barraged with um, emo music. Barraged. Good callback. Uh, if you want to be barraged <laughs> uh, with emo music, wrestling, and Celtic Kings, um, you're looking at me like you're going to say something? Just just going to tell the listeners thanks for choo-choo-choosing us. <laughs> Why are we, we're having callbacks to stuff we've literally said two minutes ago. <laughs> we'd necessarily oh. call them callbacks. <clears throat> Remember all this for next week. Boom. <laughs> um, he's Alex Lawrence. He's Chris Bowd. I'm Chris Gallagher. We're the 90 Minutes Cynic, and we'll speak to you down the road. Mm.